You've given us a job to do. Lord, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid thee come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. And you may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. And welcome to the uh, Fredonia edition of Family Church, one of 10 locations meeting throughout New York, Pennsylvania, and Europe, and more to come. And so we welcome and greet each and every one of you. We're so honored and thrilled to have visiting guests, return guests, visiting friends, people watching over the world to be a live stream, and of course, most importantly, our, our church family here. And so we, we welcome you. Of course, this is first Sunday of the month, and then first Sunday we call it, guess what? First Sunday. And we do things a little differently here. On first Sunday, we partake of communion. We honor the Lord by what he has done for us through his sacrifice of his body. And we remember that. And then uh, we have a potluck after the service. Not potluck, because potluck means you bring food. We already have food prepared. We have a banquet prepared for you. Praise the Lord. So if you're visiting with us or return guests, please, um, after service, please join us. And uh, we're going to direct our hearts right now uh, to communion. And uh, Jesus gave the church two ordinances to follow. He gave, uh, of course, water baptism. Now, water baptism is something after you're born again. Uh, you, you're water baptized. You're, you identify with Christ. It is a public uh, proclamation of your faith in Jesus. And this is something that every Christian should do after they're born again. And it's something that should be done once. But he also gave another ordinance, which is the Lord's table or communion. Now, very interesting when it comes to communion. He didn't tell us how often we're to do it. All he said is, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And so the, the key is, uh, whenever we do it, he left it up to us how often we do it. But the important thing that we do it in remembrance of him. Now, when he says remembrance of him, it's not to, oh yeah, I remember you, Jesus. I remember. No, remembrance of what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection. That the bread represents his body being broken. His body being broken means our body can be healthy and strong. That we're to be put in mind, put in remembrance of that. And of course, when we partake of the juice, that represents the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That without the shedding blood, there is no remission of sins. And so we're forgiven. We're saved by that precious blood precious blood. And so uh, we're, we're going to partake of communion together here at Family Church in Fredonia. And we can have our servers to come forward, please. And for those of you that are visiting with us or newer with us, uh, this is how we partake of communion, that our servers will actually serve you right in the seats. And they're going to be passing the bread in uh, a, a tray with the juice. We invite you to take a, one cup and one piece of bread and just hold on to that. And uh, use this as a time of reflection and personal worship between you and the Lord. And if you're here and you, you think, you know, I, I don't want to partake of communion, I have personal reasons, or I don't know too much about it, hey, that's okay. Uh, just when our service go by, just nod your head or tell them no, and they'll pass you by. No questions asked. And so we're going to all uh, receive together, then we'll partake together in a few moments.
And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23. For I received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At this time, I invite you to take the bread and break it. And I also like to crush it because the Bible says he was crushed for our iniquities. And, and break it, crush it, and eat together. Thank you, Father, for the, for the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, that his body was broken, that our body might be whole. And Father, we claim and appropriate the promise of God. We live long, healthy, and strong, not sick and day in our life. Father, we proclaim health and strength to all that partake here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm going to continue reading verse 25. After the same manner, he also took the cup. We need sup, saying, This cup is the New Testament, my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. I invite you to drink of the cup. Thank you, Father, for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Father, we receive forgiveness. We receive our remission. And Father, we thank you that we're cleansed. And Father, we're made righteous in your sight. And Father, we're also protected by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to invite you to go ahead and pass your communion cups towards the middle, towards the center, and then the uh, ushers will be by to pick them up. And while the ushers are picking up the communion cups at this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the kids to their children's church program if they have not gone yet. And the rest of us, after our ushers have picked up your cup, can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Again, we want to greet those of you that are coming in. Um, we are certainly honored and thrilled to have you with us. Also, those that have just tuned in, uh, we're so grateful and thankful for you to tune in this morning at Family Church Fredonia. In the book of Matthew chapter 17, and for those of you visiting, we encourage all, everyone that uh, attends here to follow along in their Bible, to bring their Bible, follow along, whether it's a physical Bible or whether it's an e-device. We found this out, that it's when you look in your own Bible and follow along, you become a participant in the service, not just a spectator. And we found this out, that uh, the Holy Ghost will be able to show you so much more as you get involved in service by honoring the Word and turning in your own Bibles. And maybe you come from a, a church tradition uh, that never brought your Bible. We we'll encourage you to go ahead and bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we will endeavor to have the Scriptures on the overhead screen that we can follow along because it's real important to us that you see what we're teaching on is 
in the Word of God. So I've chosen this morning as a text, Matthew 17, starting with verse 24. And when they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute or taxes? He, meaning uh, Peter, said, Yes. And when he, Peter, came to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of strangers? Peter said unto him, Of strangers. Jesus said unto him, Then the children are free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou in the sea, and cast a hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money, take that take, and give it to them for me and for thee. Now this is a, a very interesting account in the ministry of Jesus, and this actually happened. Uh, the tax collectors, of course, were collecting taxes. It was the IRS of their day, and, uh, and so they're making sure everyone is given their tax money in. And so they go up to Peter, because Peter is traveling with Jesus, and, we got, and so the tax collectors go up to Peter and said they got to make sure that he's paying taxes too, and that Jesus is paying his taxes. And so they ask Peter, um, Peter, I know you're traveling with with the, the teacher there, and you go from town to town, and no doubt taking up collections, and we got to ask you a question. Is your master, is Jesus paying taxes? Peter thought about it for a moment and says, oh yeah, yeah, you know, Jesus is above board, Jesus does everything right, he pays his taxes. Now something very interesting, and uh, the Bible puts everything in it for a reason for our learning and so after he answers uh, the text collectors he goes back to the house it was either his house Jesus house or a meeting where they met in some other house and um, as he was coming to this house Jesus asked Peter a very interesting question he said Peter what are you thinking about so I don't know if, if Peter looked like all of us when we're deep in thought and we're thinking and you know, we're staring off the place, we're oblivious to everything around us, or Peter kept his cool and kept a, a real good poker face and no one but Peter and God knew what Peter was thinking on. But somehow Jesus knew either by the spirit or by the complexion of Peter, he was thinking on something. Now, it does not tell us here what Peter was thinking on. Evidently, it was not important. But what we do see is this, that whatever Peter was thinking on, it was important to Jesus to correct his thinking about whatever he was thinking on. And so what does this teach us right away? Um, it is important that we think right, that we think on the right things. And that wrong thinking defeats all of us. Now, we have to understand this, that when we think wrong about something, we're going to believe wrong about it. And if we believe wrong about it, 
we're going to receive the wrong thing from it. You know, that same thing with, with God and any of the promises of God. If we think wrong about the promises of God or what God will do or won't do, if we think wrong about that, we're going to, bring, we're going to believe the wrong thing and uh, we will never have what God has for us or we'll receive the wrong thing. And so to the master, to Jesus, in this situation which seems so mundane, uh, just a, a, a common interaction in the in life of any person. You know, you know we, we do business, there's business transactions, we buy and we sell. But evidently to the Lord, it was imperative that Peter thought right about this situation. Now, after Jesus corrected Peter's thinking, what happened? God was able to move supernaturally in the situation and brought about a supernatural supply to Peter. And this is the launching pad that I want to do in a new series uh, starting this morning. And it's this, we got to think right in order to believe right and that way we can receive the right thing. And what is that like, Peter? A supernatural supply. Notice the supply did not come until the Lord corrected Peter's thinking. Once the Lord corrected Peter's thinking, then God was able to move in that situation. And God has a supernatural supply for all of us. God wants to do amazing things for all of us. We're living in the end days, and much has been said about a miracle flow and an abundant flow, uh, God doing the signs and miracles and wonders in every area of our life, and we believe that, but in order for us to receive that, we have to think right about it, and we have to think right about God's purpose and plan in every circumstance, and it's very interesting, this was uh, just a very small thing about paying taxes, and yet the Lord said, no, you got to think right about that too, Peter. And so we're going to look at this and make sure that we are thinking right concerning every situation in our life, that we're thinking right, that way God can bring exceedingly above all that we ask or think, that we're not limiting God on our end by thinking wrong, by believing wrong. And so Let's look at a scripture. Here, Peter received a supernatural supply. You know, I, I've gone fishing growing up. You know, we did a lot of fishing. My dad was an avid fisherman. I remember my dad would go early in the morning and uh, sometimes take his boat before going to work at the steel plant and he'd go out fishing for an hour. So he'd get up, what, four, five in the morning and go fishing for an hour on the boat. Then he would uh, go to work at the steel plant and sometimes would come home and go fishing again. Sometimes, if we were good, he took us with us. You know, and so, you know, little boys, you know, we get impatient. Why ain't the fish biting and so forth? But, um, you know, I, I've, I've fished for years and years and years. I have never, ever found money in a fish's mouth. I found crabs. I found lizards. I found worms. I found other lures. 
but never money in a fish's mouth. Why is that? Because Peter received a supernatural supply. God is able to do things that are beyond the natural. God wants to do things out of the box for us. He wants to amaze us in our everyday life. But if we think wrong and think, oh, God, don't do that, then we're in our little box and we're limited by the, the parameters of our little box. And so Peter was in a box concerning what God would do in this situation. And Jesus removed uh, the limitations of that box. How did he remove it? By getting his thinking straightened out. And so we're going to look at some things. And hopefully, uh, as we go through the series, we begin to expand our horizons and begin to, to think bigger and believe bigger and allow God to do bigger in our life. Now, let's, let's look at a verse that I don't think any of, one of us have ever heard about or ever quoted. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. Philippians 4, 19. Now, for those of you visiting, I was telling a joke because this probably every person in the family churches will know the scripture. I mean, we're encouraged to quote it, believe it, confess it, walk in the light of it. Philippians 4, 19. And it says this, starting with, oh, starting with verse 19, because it's only one verse. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Again, we, we've quoted this, and we should, but we must ask ourselves, do we really think this way in every given situation? Are we really believing this with every need that comes up or have we just kind of put God in a box that well God really doesn't doesn't do that only on big uh, important things not on everyday things you know paying taxes was an everyday thing just an everyday you know interaction business interaction and but it was important to the Lord Peter you got to think right about every day situations because if you think wrong about everyday situations you're going to live in God in everyday situations and so do we really think this my God should supply all of my needs do do we really believe this but most importantly are we seeing this in our everyday life are we seeing a supply from God every day every need a supply comes in supernaturally if we're not, it could be that we're thinking wrong. It could be that we're believing wrong. And if we're thinking wrong, believing wrong, it leads to us receiving wrong. So let's look at this. My God shall. There is no stronger assertion in the English language than the term I will or I shall. And again, we, we understand this, that Paul is speaking by the inspiration of the Spirit. And so we can say this is God speaking. This is a promise of God. And God says, I shall. You know, I shall supply all of your need. And so we have to understand when God says something, He will do it. The Bible says God watches over His Word to perform it. 
And when God says, I'm going to do this, um, if it fails to come to pass and he fails to perform his word, that he no longer qualifies to be God because God and his word are one. And so it is important to understand that whenever God says something in a promise, it is yes and amen. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen. That we must really get solidified in our hearts. If God says it, it will be. It shall be. This is truth in my life. That when God says God shall supply all of my needs, God will supply all of my needs. And so, Peter was asked about the tax collectors, about taxes, and I don't know, maybe they, they sent him a tax bill. Here, here, this is an offering for your master, and it was a tax bill. And, you know, Peter may have went and, and thought, well, we, we just had an offering, now we're all that offering's got to go, go to, to, to pay pay this or, or maybe we can do this to pay the bill maybe he's trying to figure out how, how we're going to pay the tax bill have you ever been in those shoes and so Peter may have been thinking naturally how, how, how can I handle this what, what can I sell what, what can I do what, maybe I can do this business maybe, maybe, maybe I can borrow it here Whatever Peter was thinking about, the Lord corrected it and said, Peter, you're thinking wrong, son. And long as you, Peter maybe was thinking in a natural way uh, of a natural supply of how to take care of it naturally, I mean, you know, that takes God out of the equation. Now, a calculator is a beautiful thing. How I many you know when you go to calculate, it, it just tells you facts and tells you numbers. And sometimes when you do your accounting and, and your financials, you have to use a calculator. Thank God for a calculator. But there is no anointing button. There is no supply button. There is no God button on that. So Peter was like us. How, how am I going to handle this? How, how am I going to do this? How am I going to figure this? And just figuring out naturally. And Jesus said, Peter, what are you thinking? And so it definitely arrested him and realized, oh yeah, I'm trying to figure this out naturally. I, I no longer have God in the equation. I no longer have the supply of God in the equation. And once... He got that straightened out and said, yeah, yeah, God, God, God will supply all need. And notice what God was able to do. My God shall. What will he do? Supply all your need. God will supply all of my need and all of your need. Every single one of them. That means big needs. That means small needs. God has supply for all of our needs. And 
we, we see this in the Bible, that Jesus fed the multitudes. They just had five loaves and two fishes. And you notice this, the disciples thought just like we do. When, when there was such a need coming in, uh, disciples saying, Jesus, we're going to have to do something big here. I mean, we, we got 5,000 people, and they're hungry, and we only have five loaves and two fishes. And so what we have will not take care of the need that has arisen. We, we, there's just no way. Jesus, you're going to have to send them home. And you know what Jesus said? We don't need to send them away. You give them something to eat. And again, right in that little box that we're all in. But Jesus, I don't think you understand. One, two, three, four, five fishes to loaf. This is a little boy's lunch. There is absolutely no way that a little boy's lunch is going to feed the multitude. What were they doing? Calculator. Figuring out. How many times have we done that? Just like Peter. Just like this, we're figuring out. How am I going to pay my tax? How, how am I going to take care of that car loan? How, how am I going to, how am I going to pay that hospital? What, how am I going to do this? And, do this? and calculator, figuring out. And the Lord wants to say, what you thinking about? What you thinking about, daughter? What you thinking about, son? Um, and the Lord wants to uh, excuse me. I'm here. I shall supply all your need. All of them. Again, we, we, we quote it. We shout about it. Amen. But is this what we're thinking about? Are we thinking about, man, Bill comes in. Well, I got a supply for that. Or, oh my God, taxes went up. Gas prices went up. Inflation's gone up. Oh, oh. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to start saving more, cutting my expenses. <laughs> what are you thinking on? My God shall supply all of your needs. And you know what I, I like about this account about Peter? is this, paying the tax money really wasn't a big expense. Notice Jesus told them to go fishing and get a single coin. And guess what? That single coin was enough to pay the taxes for the both of them. Now, it could have been a gold coin, I don't know, but it doesn't say it was a gold coin, a coin. So evidently, it, it might have been like a throughway toll. Who knows? Small need. And if you study the ministry of Jesus, that Jesus, wherever he went, he took up offering, there are people constantly giving unto him, ministering to him uh, out of his substance. And one place where... where where they're going to feed the multitudes, uh, the disciples says, 200 denarii will not feed this multitude. And you see that phrase used over and over again. And what, what we can understand is that the Lord at least 
in the treasury had 200 denarii. What is 200 denarii? A denarii is a day's wage. And so uh, we'll just say this, and I know this is conservative. Let's just say uh, a day's wage today is $100. That's conservative. Many make more, some make less, but $100. You time, okay, you take 100 times 200. Let's go to the math professor. How much is 200 times 100? 20,000. So in minimum, Jesus had $20,000. Well, no, Jesus was poor. Eh. He had a treasurer. He fed a staff of 12. He, he fed the poor. He had a treasurer that was stealing money, and there was so much money no one noticed. You know, if he had $4 in treasury, someone stole a dollar, you would notice it. But when you have $20,000 and 10 here, 15 here, more offerings come in, given the poor, it can be lost in a sleight of hand, in an accountant's ledger very easily. So this need could have been easily supplied by what they already had. But Jesus wanted to teach Peter a lesson. Just because you already have it doesn't mean that's how God wants to supply it in your life. But if you think wrong about that, that you think, well, I'm, I'm just going to take care of it with what I have here on my checking, my savings, I'm going to do that. And if we are thinking only in the box of what we have, I mean, we, we shut off the supernatural supply. I remember uh, years and years ago, when, you know, first 20 years I struggled in ministry, you know, uh, you know, we, we, we just didn't have anything. I mean, we, we had to believe for everything. I remember time, we, I was doing three services, and I was so in debt supporting the church. I, I, you know, we were looking in our couch for, for quarters and coins just to get milk and bread for my kids. And here I, I'm doing two services. I'm starting other churches. And folks made sure I was poor. <laughs> Thank God we switched that one thing around. But then, then, then we learned some things, and we grew. And uh, we got to a place where I actually could buy something. And man, that's a good place to be where you can actually buy it. And you know what the Lord told me? At times he says, son, don't buy that. Believe me for it. What was he trying to do? To always keep the supply, his supply in my life. Just, just don't automatically go to our little box of thinking, well, I have it, I'm going to take it out of what I already have. When you do that, you shut off the supply of God in your life. My God shall supply all, all your need. This paying the taxes may be a toll because it was a need it qualified for all, all of them, even the minute toll money. 
milk money, coffee money. God has a supply for those things. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean, well, you know, here you, you have... You have $5 and you want to go to Starbucks. It doesn't mean you just walk around camp and say, oh God, where's my supply? I mean, God could bring a squirrel in with a $5 bill in his mouth. But usually you just kind of take it out of your pocket. So understand there's a balance to this. But all I'm saying, let's not forget about the God equation. Let's just not be so quick to figure things out. How is this going to be met my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. To allow God in the equation. Jesus said, Peter, what are you thinking? Lester Sumrall said this, believe God for a donut before you believe him for a seven-layer cake. In this area of supply, a lot of times it's the little things. We're, we, well, I, I can got that thing covered. I got that covered. And we just believe God for the big things. And we got that all wrong. We, we would never do that with healing, would we? We wouldn't, well, yeah, it's just a headache. It's just a cold. It's just a fever. I'm not going to use my faith. I'm immediately going to run to the medicine cabinet. I'm not going to look at God in the equation. But then I get a, a doctor's report. I'm dying of cancer. I'm in, you know, what? oh, now I'm going to believe God. You know better than that. You know your, your faith groweth exceedingly. You have to start small, just like muscles. You don't go in the gym and say, yeah, I want to bench press 300 pounds, bless God. No, you, you got to bench press 30. Work your way up. Work your way up and build your muscles. It's the same thing with faith. We understand that with healing. But when it comes to supply, we have to do that too, the small things. That's why I love this. We learned so much of this account. What you think of Peter? And it's one of the things is also in the small things, there's a supernatural supply. Let's talk a little bit about small things. You know, God is in the small things as, big, as, as much as he is in the big things. You know, uh, recently in a series we taught, we brought this out, that God knows the numbers of the hairs of your head and they tell us I'm talking about your hair not mine now I am not bald I'm shaven there's a big difference you know bald the hairs fall out with disgrace shaven is I did it by choice you know so I, I I'm not bald I'm shaven but for those unshaven folk here they say on the average there's about a hundred thousand hairs on each people, each person's head, depending on race, male and female, and so forth. And guess what? Between 50 and 100 hairs fall off your head every day. So the numbers of your hair is like the stock market. You know, and of course, I, I be a husband, a father, I had a wife and three daughters. I knew hairs fell off their head every time you got to the shower drain. <sighs> Where's this thing lead to? My goodness. That doesn't happen in my shower. Just saying. God, right now, 
knows exactly how many hairs are in your head. He knows how many hairs have fallen off your head. Jesus is telling us he knows the minute things, the small things, the things that people think are useless, but he knows that about you. If he knows how many hairs that are on your head, he knows your every little need and wants to take care of every little thing in your life. Now, this brings us to Matthew 6, 31. Supernatural supply. We need to think right about it. Because if we think wrong, we shut the grace of God off. Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? When shall we be clothed? Those are needs, aren't they? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Jesus said, when it comes to needs, every day, your meals, your, your clothes, every little thing of your daily life, Jesus said, take no thought about that. Now, let's, let's bring balance. What does it mean, take no thought? You know, hopefully, when you came in, you took thought, does my shirt ma match my pants? Or, you know, my skirt or whatever. You know, I took thought, does my tie match? You know, so there's nothing wrong with that. That word thought means anxious thought. Yeah. Worried thought. Troubled thought. So he's talking about needs. But before he talks about the supply, what does he address? Your thoughts about the needs. Remember, wrong thinking leads to wrong believing. That's why Jesus said, hey, your, your father has, he knows everything you need. A supply has come to you, but you cannot think wrong about this. You know, let's just go ahead at verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, birds. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Once a week? No. Every other day? No. Every day he feeds them. So Jesus is saying, hey guys, stop thinking wrong about God supplying your life. Look at the birds. And we looked at this. There, there are billions of birds. There are so many birds, they, they cannot number them. The most conservative amount of birds is 50 million. Most believe anywhere from 200 to 4, 4 um, excuse me, 50 billion. The, the, the most 
scientists say that there's somewhere between 200 and 400 billion birds on the face of the earth. And, and Jesus said God knows them all. God knows what every bird is doing right now. No, no bird falls to the ground without the Heavenly Father knowing about it. And he feeds, let's just say conservatively, 200 billion birds every day. And Jesus said, if God feeds birds, are you not much better than they? A bird doesn't come, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I, I better start planting some seeds. I better start doing this. No. They just go out and there's bugs, there's grubs, there's worms, there's bird seed. There, there's a supply. I, I, I've had some birds that almost ate themselves unconscious. There was so much supply. They got in the bird feeder and, just, and they, they were, I, I don't know if birds get a sugar coma or what. Uh, they just ate themselves and you can pick them up. I, they, they ate to the full. God says, every day I feed the birds. 200 billion of them. I know the numbers of your hairs. And I love you so much more than the birds. Will I not take better care of you than the birds? Every day. Every day he feeds a bird. But let's look at something. In this account, let's see how many times Jesus addresses thinking right about supply. Matthew 6, 25. Let's read in the whole context. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought, one, for your life, what you shall eat, drink, those are needs, yet for your body, what you put on, those are clothes, is life not more than meat and body and raiment? Again, behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap. Or gather barns, yet your heavenly Father supplies their needs, feeds them. You're better than a bird. Verse 27. Which of you by taking thought, could add one cubic stature, so that's number two. Verse 28. And why take ye thought for clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and toil not, neither do they spin. I say unto you, even Solomon in all his glory was not rayed like one of these. If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how shall he not much more clothe you, O of little faith? Therefore, because of this, what? Take no thought. Four times. What are you saying? Supply is there. But you've got to think right about that supply. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or when shall we be clothed? For all these things the Gentiles seek. Lost people have this, their minds on it. What am I going to do? How am I going to get this? For your heavenly Father, who loves you more than the bird, that takes care of all the birds, knows you have need of all these things. Food, clothes, shelter. My God shall supply what? All of your needs. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. And you just think that they get their thinking right. Take therefore no thought. Can you see? 
that Jesus is trying to say, God is going to take care of you. God takes care of birds. He'll take care of every one of your needs. But you got to think right. Take no thought. Stop thinking wrong about the situation. Start, stop thinking wrong about the need. Stop thinking with your calculator mentality that, that this is the only way a need could be met. God's got coins in fish's mouth. God has means and ways. He's God. That's why He gave us the Bible. That whenever God does something, He does it spectacularly, supernaturally. Because He does it to show that He is God. And this God says, I want to supply every one of your needs. I want to, but you got to let me. How? you got to think right. you got to allow me to do this. you got to stop going to your calculator. Start figuring out for yourself. And just say, God, see this need? You supply all money. How do you want this need met? Go fishing, Peter. Now, Philippians 4.19, I'm fixing to close. Now, for my wonderful guests, return guests, those that tuned on the first time, do you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. What I lack in depth, I go in length. But back to Philippians 4.19. What are you thinking, Peter? His thinking would have cut, wrong thinking cuts supply off. Jesus said, take no thought. Stop thinking wrong about supply. God is going to supply your need. But you got to stop thinking wrong. Back to Philippians 14. My God shall supply all of your needs according to your checkbook and where you work. What you have in the bank. What you have in your pocket. How is this need going to come? According to His riches and glory. Not your riches. His riches and glory. Do we believe this or not? How many times we, we just live natural lives like unconverted people. We, we, we get a paycheck. We divvy our paycheck. And we, we work just within our means. We're on a fixed income. And as Dr. Trainer said, who fixed it? You did by your thinking, your believing. Now don't get me wrong. Man doesn't work. He doesn't eat. But we're not limited by our paycheck. And if you only think and believe, this is all I have to work with is my paycheck, that's all you're going to have, natural life. There'll be no God supply in that. God supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Peter, tax money. They had the money. God told them to go fishing. And the first fish that comes up, take the money and give him tax money. He didn't need to tap into his checking account or savings account. God wants to do that to you. Maybe there's something you can buy. And, and you, you're doing your due diligence. That's right. You're saving whatever. But check in with God. See what the God supply button says. God wants to do these Things And my time is slipping away. You know, Elijah, he prophesied to the king of Israel. 
because Israel's backslidden. There's going to be no dew, no rain until I say so. It was three, three and a half years later. That, and because it stopped raining, inflation went up, prices went up, you know, they, they were in a depression. And Elijah became the FBI's number one most wanted list. He couldn't, he couldn't preach in public. He couldn't receive offerings anymore. He couldn't interact, interact with common people because there's posters of him everywhere. Wanted, dead. Alive if we have to, but dead. Because the drought. Here he has no means, no way of employment, no needs to supply, nobody ministering with their substance to him. Certainly God couldn't help the man. God should supply all of your needs. And God says, go to the brook Cherith. That's where you want to get your water supply. Elijah could have had his own plan figured out and would just live naturally like so many people do. But God says, that's, that's where your water will be. And so he goes to brook Cherith. And, and also, son, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. And every morning... And every evening, birds would come in and bring food to him. The original DoorDash right there, folks. <laughs> and he didn't have to pay for it. No one knew where he was. There's no button on the calculator for that. What is it called? It's called the God Supply button. We need to think right about a supply now we're going to have to just pause it there because the beautiful thing about pastoring I get you next week and if if I try to cram it all in one session you know God have mercy that we did get extra wide seats and extra padding but I understand and so we're going to pick this up next week and um, God wants us to renew our minds now just naturally why is it? There's several reasons the Lord has led me to this. Number one, we have to get magnificent paid off. We got to think right about that. Number two, have you looked at the economy lately? Inflation is the highest it's been in 40 years. The, the price of gas is almost doubled. It's about 40% from last year, the year before. And you know what inflation means? If you don't know what inflation means, your costs go up. And your dollar's worth goes down. Right? Oh my God. Oh my God. What are you going to do? And it's, ah, supply button. What if gas prices go up to $10 a gallon? Oh my God. I'm going to go to get a bicycle. There's your box. Oh, I'm going to have to do this and that. There's your box. And you'll start thinking, processing. What am I going to do? I'm going to take anxious thought. Jesus said, what are you thinking on? Look at the birds. The birds have lived through every drought, every depression, and they're still birds today. God's supply will never run out. For God's supply to run out, that means heaven would run out. He has a supply according to His riches and glory. We got to be open to God's supernatural supply. The first thing we need to do, and we're going to build on this, is to get our thinking right about that supply. Let us pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for your grace, your goodness, and your mercy. And Lord, we, we live in exciting times. Father, you said of the end days that people's hearts would fail for fear for the things that have come upon the face of the earth. And Father, that is the lot of ungodly and unrighteous men. Father, we, we're, like, we're like Israel in the land of Egypt. There's a difference between the children of Israel and the Egyptians. And Father, that in these days, you want to show off of your grace and glory as the world suffers and goes down. Father, this is the time you want to glorify yourself for every child of God to go up. You want to show yourself strong in the area of miracles and in the area of supply. And Lord, we receive our marching orders. We'll think right about these things. Every need, we'll think right. We'll, we'll be supply-minded, not need-minded. And Father, we're just excited and thrilled. Father, for the opportunity to do miracles in our lives. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed. We talked about God's supernatural supply. And it's a beautiful thing being a Christian, being a child of God. Not only that when you die, you get to go to heaven, but God will work miracles. God will work mightily in our lives if we'll let him. And that's why we come to church. We learn to get our minds straightened out, our minds renewed to think right as we, we open up the word of God together. And life can be, as it says in Ephesians 3.20, exceeding above all that we ask or think. And that's God's plan for you. And uh, the key to walking in greater things is, is start thinking in line with God's word. And you can start experiencing God's best. But maybe you're here and you've never been born again. Maybe you're watching and, and says, so this is all new to me. I, you know, I, I know there's a God, but I didn't know he was that involved in our lives. Well, when we were born again, we become literal sons and daughters of God. And Jesus said, if we know how to take good care of our children, God knows how to take much more better care for his children. But to become his child, you must be born again. What is born again? Simply when you receive Jesus and make him Lord from your heart. He takes out your old, sinful, selfish nature. He puts his nature in. And Jesus said, this is a little thing. You become born again. You become born of God. It's not joining a church. not joining religion. It's, it's not even being converted. It, it, it is becoming a son or a daughter of God. And this is available to everyone. Jesus said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever comes to me, I'll know lies cast out. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, both here and those watching, is there anybody here, number one, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life? You've never been born again? Would you raise your hand? I know this is Sunday morning, and, uh, you know, especially in these last days, there's a big separation, even in Christians, those who will come to church, those who will not. And, and so it's so important that we come to church. But uh, I know these are the faithful, but we want to make sure everyone is right with God here. But if you're watching online and, and you can't say, I don't know if I'm born again. I don't know if I, if I die right now and go to heaven. Go ahead and raise your hand. In a moment, I'll, I'll, I'll show you how to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I give one more invitation. 
Maybe you're here and you have been born again, but you find yourself like the prodigal son in the Bible. The prodigal son said that he, he left father's house and lived a life that was not, uh, not of the morals that father raised him in. And, and many Christians have done that. They, they got born again and they went out in the world. Well, in the story, it's a beautiful thing. When the prodigal son came to the census, he came home, his father ran out to meet him. I tell you, if you're a prodigal son, prodigal daughter, no matter where you've been, what you've done, if you'll turn to God, he'll run out to meet you. He'll bless you. He'll bring out the best. He'll bless you. But you've got to respond to him. And if that's you, and say, I'm a prodigal son, prodigal daughter, I want to rededicate my life to him. Go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody here? I see that hand. God bless you. You can put it down. I see, I see the hand, God bless you, you can put it down. We had a couple of hands raised this morning. We have people, I see that hand, God bless you, you can put it down. And people uh, that are watching online, you raised your hand. I can't see it, but God can. So what we're going to do together as a church family, God is everywhere, God sees everything, He's all-knowing, He's all-present. And we're going to pray to prayer together. We here at Family Church, those of you watching, and those of you raised your hand or should have raised your hand. Maybe you didn't, and you know you should. You can still get in on it. Pray this from your heart. Repeat it after me. Make it your prayer. And I tell you, God will hear your heart's cry, and you'll be saved, you'll be rededicated, and God will begin to do great and mighty things in your life. And let's pray this together with those that raised their hands. Dear God, I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for me and rose again from the dead so I could be saved. This morning, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. I'm now your child. And my life will never, ever be the same again after this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, for those of you that raised your hand here, uh, know this, God has heard your prayer. If you've never prayed this before, we welcome you to the family. Not, not to a church, not family, but the family of God. You are a son or a daughter of God. Uh, for those of you rededicated, you know, welcome back home into the Father's fellowship. But, uh, and for those of you watching, God has heard your prayer. Very, very important. You know, uh, you made this consecration, dedication, your heart was touched. It's so important to find a good church home. For those of you watching online, uh, you may be from far away. Find a church that teaches the Bible, teaches born again, teaches that God will work miracles in your life. Because if they teach miracles won't happen, uh, they won't. And so it's so important. And, and, so, and for those of you that are visiting with us, uh, we'd love to welcome you to Family Church Fredonia. We, we hope to see you again. Amen. Hey, how we close the service is uh, we always like to close it with praise and worship and just to, to give thanks to God for what he's done for us and what we've heard today. And as we uh, close in song, uh, if you're here and uh, you have a prayer need uh, or if you'd like to have hands laid on you for healing, uh, we invite you to come on up and my wife and I will minister to you as uh, we're worshiping the Lord. Then once we're done with the song, we'll dismiss you and we have fellowship downstairs.